Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Beamaz and Beamer together. Um, see, now, when Susan was in here, we were both wearing our winter coats. Yes. You're not. I'm not because You're a man. for the last four hours. <laughs> no, no. The last four hours. See, you have to share the space heater for mm-hmm. the first four hours. I had the space heater right behind my chair, so I was getting all the warmth. All right. Nice. Well, I'm glad. Now I realize why you and Susan had yeah. your jackets on. <laughs> I got to say, me with this jacket, I'm wearing my nicer jacket that I just decided, like, uh, the other week to pull out of my um, closet. It usually sits around for years on end without me really wearing it that much. I'm like, yeah, just, I'll just wear it. And now this is the nicest I look really ever. I was going to say, <laughs> you look like you should be on the field before the Monday night games. Yeah. They all wear that jacket. I mean, under it, I'm just wearing like a sweatshirt and jeans. But, you know, the jacket, you know. Kind you can of, give a different image to people. Yeah. I, I, I feel a little bit more professional. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I feel cold and a little bit more professional. Does the cold help you feel more professional? No. Oh. Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, I'm liking this jacket. I think I might do, I might go all week long wearing this in here. We'll you see. Know, it's funny. The last hour, I was I was looking at your jacket and thinking how much I liked your jacket. Yeah, that I need to get something in that style. No, you not don't. not the exact same, but something. the only place I wear it is in here. <laughs> That's, if never, you have a nice occasion to go to, I'm sure you put that jacket in on. the winter. Yes, yeah. Um, but th- but, those are very few. In fact, I have no nice occasions, but that's in, a thing. Yeah. Just in case something popped up, I would have something the jacket. Pops up, I like that. Uh, happy birthday goes out to Dave Foley. He's the Canadian actor. He's 59 years old. From News Radio. From News Radio. Still yeah. looks young. Um, you know, gave me a real wrong impression of what it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember the uh, the episode where they had their jackets on. No. I do remember the episode. <laughs> I do remember the episode where the radio station turned into t- the Titanic, which that has not happened here yet. Um, I, I don't remember that. That was Phil Hartman's last episode. Oh, well, fitting. I yeah. guess Titanic. Um, to the last episode for a lot of people. I uh, I really enjoyed that show way before you know I even thought that I'd be on radio, in radio, whatever it is I do. Um, I really I really enjoyed that show. Oh, it, was a, it was a funny. It was, was a funny show. One of my uh, one of my tops. It's back when NBC made funny shows. Yeah, they they made a lot of them. Yeah, uh, throughout the years. I, I have no idea what's on besides soccer. I have no idea what's on NBC now. The Voice. 
The Voice. The Voice in okay. Soccer. I know it's not the NHL. Um, something to uh, <laughs> all right, watch for. I, I want to, you know, Joe, today focus on the COVID response. Yes. Here and around the country. Because I thought it was really interesting yesterday. It's something we talked about a lot this morning. What the governor had to say about COVID hospitalizations. And we'll play a lot of her comments. But I do want to start, Joe, with something that is uh, gaining a little bit of steam online. This is So we'll go from New York. We'll go all the way down to Florida. All right. I'm going to butcher the guy's uh, last name pronunciation. Uh, but Florida's Surgeon General, Joseph Ladapo. Okay. Hopefully that's right. Uh, now, he said yesterday and is getting cream for it online by a bunch of people that the state is working to unwind what he calls the COVID testing psychology. And I thought this was an interesting thing to play here today because you mentioned it, Joe, to me. I know uh, we've all seen it driving around the corner from here. You can see actually out of our window, the Marriott and in that parking lot. It is insane. The amount of people who are there looking for a COVID test. I mean, you went all summer. There was no one there. The guy's standing there picking his nose. That's right. Uh, Not with the test either, just like (laughs) out of boredom. Um, And and now it's wrapped around the entire parking lot. Joe, you mentioned Main Street? So Main Street, where they have the free test next to the Cheesy Check restaurant, Mm -hmm. they have people lined up outside down Main Street. And then you have people that are trying to park to get in that line that are backing up Main Street. And then again, on transit across from Regal, um, that line is not only looped around the parking lot like you see at the Marriott, it's on to transit like Tim Horton's drive-thrus sometimes get in early morning. It was like that all day yesterday. So uh, he was talking about testing down in Florida. And they are seeing, and this is true, what you described, what I described, all across New York State. Right. It's all across the country. I mean, it's everywhere of people. I I won't say everywhere because I don't know. You know, Utah's testing lines don't get that much pub. You know, I I don't have an accurate, um, you know, Missouri town, what their testing facilities look like. But in many areas of the country, in heavily populated areas, this is kind of what it looks like. So Florida Surgeon General said the state is working to unwind the COVID testing psychology. And I want to unwind, after we listen to this, what he's talking about and what this means in the real world versus the world that a lot of people wished we lived in. (laughs) We're going to be working to unwind the sort of testing psychology that our federal leadership has managed to unfortunately get much most of the country in over the last two years. We need to unwind this testing sort of sort of uh, planning and living one's life around testing. Without it, we're going to be sort of stuck in the same cycle. So, you know, it's really time for people to be living, to, uh, you know, to make the decisions they want regarding vaccination, um, to enjoy the fact that many people have natural immunity. All right. So that was the Florida Surgeon General yesterday. Now, the response, Joe, as you can imagine, is, oh, my, you know, uh, how irresponsible, you know, from all corners of, uh, of the, you know, uh, media, from the Internet, uh, you know, getting creamed over this. But what I think he's doing here is living in reality a little bit. 
And now what you'll get, and when you ask a lot of people about that, no, no, the correct answer is not to unwind a testing philosophy. It's to ramp up testing. And okay, that is an answer. You know, to avoid long lines, you get way more tests and you ramp it up. But we're not there. In case you haven't, you know, seen, we've been talking for a month about ramping up testing. <laughs> and sure, there's more tests, you know, somewhere. Right. But they're not here. No. So to say right now the answer is to ramp up testing, doesn't that seem a little, you know, I, that's an idealist solution to this. But when you don't have the testing, it's difficult to do. Right. I, I mean, it, it's it, you can't just, all right, oh, we're going to ramp up tests. We're going to do twice as many tests today as we did yesterday. Right. Okay. Ideally, sure. That's great. You, you're not going to be able to do that. You don't have this. the material to do that. <laughs> so I think what he's – and I mentioned this when we were speaking with Dr. Russo earlier this morning. Uh, it's an old adage, you know, you're not stuck in traffic. You are the traffic. Right. And I, you know, you think of this when you see the traffic um, around the testing sites. And, and, you know, you are the traffic, right? So I think what he is getting at is you can help ease the traffic by getting out of the way. If you, uh, you know, if there's a traffic buildup somewhere, if, uh, what do they do when there's going to be a snowstorm with the 90? You know, we need to close this in case emergency vehicles need to come through. So you sit on the sidelines, not because you want to, but because you're making way for the people who have the greatest need. And that right now is in large part where we are. And if I can try and unwind his comments to make it make a little bit more sense, to everyone who wants to jump in and say, well, that's so irresponsible to say, oh, oh, don't test, you know, if you're asymptomatic, don't test, you know, for exposure, don't test to screen for COVID. Well, uh, for people at the lowest risk of COVID, younger people, people who have been vaccinated, especially those who are asymptomatic, if we have asymptomatic young vaccinated people buying up a bunch of at-home tests, Right. Uh, standing in line at the testing center, creating the long line, making the wait for a PCR test result go from one day to four days, right. then that's limiting access to the people who have symptoms and people who might be at high risk. And now that is a little bit more medically essential to test these people because we have these new treatments. You might have heard of them in the news. This right. Paxlovid, the Pfizer pill, there's a Merck pill. There's all these things. They need to be taken within five days of symptoms starting. Right. So if you start symptoms one day, you know, let's go for an average person. Uh -huh, you know, uh, cough, cough, or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I have my symptoms. The next day, hmm, it's getting a little bit worse. I'm going to go and get tested. Now you're waiting in this line. It takes an hour and a half to get a test. Right. And because of the backlog, you're going to wait a little bit longer for results. Say you wait three or four days for results. It's too late. Well, now by the day where you go to try and find where this treatment is, you're past your five days of symptoms starting. That's right. So I, I, in a way, I think, and you know, I'm not in this guy's mind, but I think that's what Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo is getting to a little bit there. And it's a reasonable solution, Brian, as you put it that way. You know, if if it's if you or I were not feeling sick, but say we were in in contact with someone who had COVID, 
but we're not going to need the antiviral. We're not going to need the Pfizer pill or the Merck pill. But someone as you know has a runny nose, it gets worse and worse. We don't want to be backing them up. I mean, my uncle got a test in Virginia on Thursday. Didn't get his results back till Monday morning. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's now if he needed this antiviral well, pill weekend. What holiday weekend? You got to take a day off. Hey, mate, I, I didn't realize the labs closed, but you're right. That that is a holiday weekend. The, the pills five days that you need that takes a holiday weekend too. We'll extend it to seven over oh, the holiday. That's... But if he needed that antiviral pill, mm-hmm. now he's on day five looking for the prescription and to get it filled before his time. I, I don't want that. That sounds, but before it's too late for the antiviral pill to have that eighty nine percent to get uh, to keep out of the hospital. Uh, And and now it's more pressing than ever that those that are going to need that, those that are likely to be in the hospital, they get these tests. And hey, Brian, for some people, two hours, two and a half hours to wait in line, it's a it's a big turnoff. Uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, it might be turning off the people that actually need the test. If you do need it and you wait in line, this was me at the car wash yesterday. (laughs) Right. I go. Um, I'm like, oh, I can sneak in here before I have to do what I need to do after I get out of work. And then I see the line of cars. Oh, no, I can't do it. So then after I pick up my son from daycare, I'm like, all right, well, we'll go back. It'll be a little bit shorter. It's even longer. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't end, I end up waiting longer. But, you know, I, I kind of the same idea. So that's, that's one thing that I was thinking might be going through his head, right, that you are not in traffic. You are the traffic. And using that to... Uh, look at testing as it currently stands in a realist way, knowing that there are people, a not insignificant amount of people, who may really need that test result to get treatment that could, you know, potentially uh, be even life-saving right? or, yes. or, or really cut down on their need for hospitalization or something like that. And that's another thing, cutting down on hospitalization, which yes. is the main goal of this. So, so that's one way to look at it. The other way is, I think, what uh, a lot of people get from it and a way that I also don't disagree with that much. And it kind of echoes something we heard from the new New York City mayor, Eric Adams. I believe this was from yesterday. And, uh, you know, again, people love to <laughs> say, oh, you know, when, oh, this guy sounds terrible, blah, blah. I love the way he sounded yesterday. This is uh, Eric Adams. He's the new New York City mayor. We're going to be working to unwind the sort of... That's not him. Why isn't this... uh, Here we go. When a mayor has swagger, (laughs) the city has swagger. (laughs) We've allowed people to beat us down so much that all we did was wallow in COVID. That's all we did. And we no longer believed. This is a city of swagger. This is a city of resiliency. And all of these messages out there of what is going to happen, what is going to happen, we're going to survive. It's Eric Adams yesterday with a message of positivity. That's right. That, of course, is met by just people <laughs> killing them online. You can't be positive there. Uh, but, no, that's, that's him yesterday. And that, I think, also echoes a little bit of what Florida Surgeon General is getting. We, you have to get back to living. Yeah. Remember life. I do. Do you? Because I, I think a lot of people have really discounted the value of living over the last couple of years. That's a great way to uh, put it. We've we valued life so much we forgot to pay attention to living. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what the New York City mayor is saying there. You know, we got to get back to living. We are not going to let this thing bring us down any more than it has to. He's not saying 
um, you know, where I'm going to forget about it and, you know, close every testing site and, you know, do whatever. But he's saying we have to get back to living. And this is, Joe, I this kind of falls in line with what my philosophy, philosophy has been. And, and when it comes to testing, and I am kind of curious to hear what people have to say on this. You can weigh in on our text board, 803-0930. You know, I got a vaccine shot in April of last year. Yes. And from that point, and, and I'm 30-ish um, years old. Right. And I'm not terribly overweight just yet. No. You haven't gotten to my status. I think we're, uh, we are, we're equals. We're equals. You carry right it now. a lot better than me. We are, uh, <laughs> we're, we've been looking a little haggard over the last six months, <laughs> you and me. We got to get on the same program here. I like, I like it, We yes. are, uh, we've, we've slipped. We used to be together and very strong. Yep. And now we've slipped a little. But anyways, you know, I'm still not in, you know, we're still pretty good. You better than me, yes. Um, we're, we're, we get to wear coats and hoodies inside, so it hides it a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at that point for me, I unless I have a you know real reason, I I'm not thinking about getting tested to right. go. You, you know, when I was doing whatever on uh, New Year's Eve on, on Christmas on whatever, and I'm feeling good, and I've gotten a vaccine, I, I'm feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gotten a right. I'm not going to get screened for something when I'm feeling fine. And the same thing went with, you know, oh, someone here, which happened to all of us, right, over the holidays. Oh, this person uh, tested positive. Or, okay, well, I'm, I'm feeling okay, and I'm, you know, I'm back to living. So that's not something that I'm necessarily stressing over. And, again, it's not something I'm forgetting about. It's right. not something where I'm sticking my head in the sand. But I am not of the mind to rush to go to one of these testing sites and say, well, I, I need to find out. Because what happens when I find out? For me, not really much. Right. <laughs> you know, not much of anything. Um, so th- I, that has kind of been my personal feelings toward this for, you know, almost the last year. And I think I'm hearing it reflected more in places where I have not over the last two years. And, and Brian, you're right. I have to say, when I had a a, a, stat, a stockpile of tests in my bathroom sink, maybe I, I tested way too much. But I'm like you. I'm not going to one of these testing sites. Uh, I'm not waiting in line unless I feel awful or unless I'm going to go visit my 96-year-old grandmother. Yes, then I will get a test and make sure that I'm not bringing COVID um, to uh, to her. Uh, but I'm like you. I got, I got my vaccine also in April, and, and since then, I'm living my life. Now, obviously, things have happened where, you know, you have to do this and that, but I'm living my life. I, I'm, I'm somewhat healthy. I need to lose some weight, but I'm somewhat healthy, and I'm, I'm ready to live. I, I'm excited to go see the Bills. I was excited to see Virginia Tech all this season, even though they sucked. Uh, it was nice to to live life. And you're right. I think so many people have let this virus control them over two years. They forgot that, hey, you only get one life, and it could be gone tomorrow. Live. Live your life. Live to the fullest. And I think more and more people, Brian, regardless of your political uh, standing, more and more people are like, yes, 
We have to get back to life. This last two years, this isn't life. Letting this virus control, staying locked up at home, keeping your kids out of school, that's not living life. We have to get back of living life. And no, that doesn't mean forgetting that COVID is there, but it's it's a more reasonable approach in a more livable approach. It is especially true. Um, point, you, you know, I've referenced this uh, a lot. The New York Times uh, puts out a, a letter every morning. This uh, it focused on children today. It, it was titled "No Way to Grow Up." When you think about that. The the years of life and what it's cost kids falling far behind in school. Uh, they there was somebody quoted from the Thomas Fordham Institute. We haven't seen this kind of academic achievement crisis in living memory. Uh, many experiencing mental health. Problems, right? We heard from the American Academy of Pediatrics that it's a crisis. It's a health crisis, a public health crisis. Suicide attempts rising, mm. violence rising. And talk to any teacher, anyone who works inside of a school, and they can tell you it's turning into the Wild West in yep. some uh, instances. Yep. And kids are still not back to, they're back in school. It's not, not back to normal. That's normal. It's, no. it's not field trips. It's not eating lunch with friends. It's not a normal. What's kindergarten? Uh, you know, learning through play and interacting with others. No. You're not having the socialization that you would have. You're not doing any of that. And that's the staggering part. And that right. we, we're still not learning the lesson because you go north of the border just five minutes and they've closed their schools yeah. for almost the next month, uh, which is unbelievable to hear. A- and... You know, I'm focused on more trivial things, but they're still just as much a part of life. You know, an important part of my life, I like going to uh, I like going to see live music. And I like going to see live music where there's a lot of people yelling and screaming in your face and it's sweaty and you're cramped in like sardines and it is it's everything that you've been told you can't do over the last 2 years. But there comes a point where you know, listen, it sounds trivial, but for me, for a lot of people, I mean, that's what keeps me from jumping out this window every day. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. an important outlet that's a part of life. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that maybe more people are realizing this as COVID hits more households. I'm thinking that in part because of what we heard from the governor yesterday. We have more of that coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be back after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. 
Welcome back in. BMAS and Beamer here on WBEN, bringing you through this Tuesday, and uh, I'm sure tomorrow and uh, probably more Thursday, right? We'll be talking about that snowstorm that's coming that's up. Right. Uh, but keep it locked here to WBEN to find out the latest on that. Uh, we could hear more this week, right? The governor giving her state of the state address where it's anticipated by some that there could be an announcement on a new Bills stadium. That's going to happen tomorrow. But, you know, of course, things uh, might happen early. Uh, you know, who knows, right? Keep it locked to WBEN for the latest. To be the first to know about uh, a lot of these big things could be a big news week. And, uh, you know, of course, I will be interested to hear from the county executive and what he has to say. Uh, expecting to hear from him later on this afternoon, as we typically do on a Tuesday. Right. Remember, when he went to this phase system, Erie County was at 6% positivity. Erie County is now over 20%. Is he still in this phase system? Has he let the state take over? It'd be interesting to see how he, um, what he says and how his tone has changed from a month ago. And, and a lot has changed, right? Yes. Since, since the phase sure has. system. Since the phase system, I have seen more people who are vaccinated, test positive, vaccinated and boosted, test positive. Yes. More people who have had COVID in the past, test positive again and get COVID a second time around. Things have changed with the new variant. You would think that would change the phases as, you know, they were a while ago. Of course, you know, I don't know if anything has to, the last time the mask mandate was working, even though we had record cases and right. uh, that all the mask people use are not adequate enough. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, who knows what we'll hear later today. I'm even more intrigued, though, because of what we heard from the governor. Kathy Hochul yesterday talking about severity of COVID and the situation we are now and making sense of the COVID numbers. And this kind of goes with our theme today of, you know, evaluating where we are on the COVID response, and are we at a turning point, right? Because it, it would kind of seem logical that we reach a turning point after the last two weeks when we all know people who have had COVID. Yeah. I, I can only speak for myself. Everyone, I, and I know quite a few people who had COVID, everyone I know who's gotten COVID is vaccinated, yep. um, which is different, you know, from the last year or so. Um, everyone I know who's had COVID pretty much to a person says the same thing. Well, you know, a little congested, sniffles, maybe a headache. Which does beg the question when you hear so many people saying that, well, when do we reach the phase of saying that it's acceptable to have the sniffles? Yeah. Because that's where we were in 2019. Um, when do we get back to that? It, it is an important question. I think that began to be... I can understand in some ways how after the last two years and everything that somebody might have said in a public place where it's a tough question to face, you know, how do I say a certain number of COVID cases is acceptable when we started off with, you know, it's unacceptable. Um, but I do think we started to get that answer from Kathy Hogo. Here's, a, you know, a few of her comments. I, these might not be in order. I might have jumbled these, but it's uh, generally what she said. People are testing positive, which is a much higher rate. But the severity of the illness is far less than we've seen before. So shocking in the scale and the numbers, the number of people are testing positive, but also grateful 
so grateful that we're not seeing, and now it's been with us for a solid month now. I remember it was uh, December 2nd when I had a press conference in the city of New York with the mayor saying we have our first cases in New York City. So literally a month later, we have enough data to say right now we can say with certainty that the cases are not presenting themselves as severely as they could have or we had feared. So that is the silver lining, if you will. Someone is in a car accident. They go to the emergency room. They test positive for COVID while they're there. They're not there being treated for COVID. Beginning tomorrow, we're going to be asking all hospitals to break out for us. How many people are being hospitalized because of COVID symptoms? How many people are happen to be testing positive uh, just while they're in there for other treatments? So that's, I think that's important. When we're looking at the hospitalizations of people testing positive in a hospital, is that person in the hospital because of COVID? Or did they show up there and are routinely tested and showing positive, and they may have been asymptomatic or even just had the sniffles. Now, I mean, that is a remarkable turnaround yep. from what we've been hearing for the last two years, but even going as far back as the last few weeks from the governor. And that really stood out to me when I was listening to her speak yesterday, because that, and this is part of the switch. Now, Joe, as we know, this is something that's not a new idea, right? COVID no. hospitalizations. No, COVID hospitalizations. People have been saying that since the beginning of uh, of testing to get into the hospital, that you know there are people with COVID in the hospital, but they are there for other reasons. Brian, we saw people on social media get, um, get a warning, get kicked off for saying exactly what the governor said yesterday. I, you know, I, I said this before, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, right? I'm not trying to um, exaggerate when, I mean, you get branded as a type of lunatic. Conspiracy theorist. If you were to suggest this. Yes. And we heard from the governor yesterday. She said, anecdotally, when she called around to hospitals, which I appreciate somebody doing that legwork in the governor's position, yeah. picking up the phone yourself, I can always appreciate that. She called around the hospitals and she said this is anecdotally, but it could be 20 to 50 percent of the hospitalization numbers that we see are very mild COVID or anecdotally uh, or not anecdotally, uh, just a COVID by incidentally from, you know, I broke my leg and I have COVID in the hospital. I'm counted as one of these numbers. If you had tweeted that a month ago, Brian. You would have had a warning under the tweet and suspended, uh, and could have been suspended for 12 hours. Same with what the first clip you played uh, about the Omicron variant. Remember, people were saying this out of South Africa last, I'm sorry, in November before it even got to America. And people were here were told, hey, no, you can't say that. There's no proof of that. And, and so, two positions that you played there that I believe the governor has taken a 180 on um, in her in her statements yesterday. But that hospital thing, as you said, conspiracy theory until about a week ago when Dr. Fauci said it. And now you're starting to see that mentality from the governor of, of New York. It'll be interesting how much more uh, they're willing to say as we go forward. But uh, it'll be interesting also to see those numbers from the hospital uh, if it is 20 to 50 percent um, when you look at the severity of cases of those hospitalized. But, but it is it, it is remarkable in the sense that um, th this is <laughs> this is what we should have been having all along. Yes. You know why this wasn't thought of 
or mandated to report. Uh, you know, maybe it's a manpower issue. Maybe it's more difficult. Maybe you do have uh, trouble defining, okay, what is severe? You know, severe to me and severe to you are two different things. You right. know, sometimes it's subjective, right? The man cold exists, as my wife would say. You know, every time I'm sick, I have the man cold, apparently. I said, what if I'm really sick? She says, well, you're like the boy who uh, cried wolf. Uh, <laughs> you know, so maybe it can be tough, but you need to have some idea, right, to give you an idea. And when you talk about hospital, you look at what people are saying in Canada now with mm -hmm. their new lockdown. I, I mean, you have people now saying, well, wait a second. I was down uh, with everything that we were doing. Listen, 80 plus percent vaccinated. We've done it. And you're going to lock us down again. You're pointing to hospital capacity. Hospital capacity in the winter is typically very tight yep. because of the other viruses and illnesses that we have. Are we going to be doing this every single winter? I, this is a step toward addressing these questions, and it's a step away from what we've been hearing. And the message has been, at least to these ears, alarm, alarm, yep. alarm, red alert. Yep, that, that's all it's been. And Brian, um, I mean, I'm still asking that question. We'll see how much more uh, comes out from our politicians over the next few days. Uh, but I've been asking that question. Is uh, are, is this going to happen every winter? Is every winter we're going to have COVID-19 updates every day? We're going to go back to the 2020 model and and, uh, and see the surges and have the warnings and the phase system. And, hey, you got to get another booster to get through this winter. Uh, when do we stop? And, and, and talk like this is something that's there, right? We know it's there, um, but it can't threaten our lives. It can't threaten our way of living every winter. Again, we have to protect those that are high risk, immunocompromised. Yes, we know that. I'm not saying don't take it seriously. I'm saying we have to get, a, get to a place, and this is a start, of where it doesn't interfere with living our lives. It's something that is going to be there. This idea of COVID zero that I'm surprised people on social media still have. Friends of mine still have. They won't, they won't come out of their house. They won't do anything but go to work and come back home. I, 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 this idea of COVID zero is not realistic. It's not going to happen. It's it's good to finally hear someone like Kathy Hochul say, yeah, you know what? Some of those hospitalizations um, aren't for COVID. They're with COVID. That's a start. Um, and hopefully in a few weeks, I won't be asking, is this an every winter thing? I just thought it was very interesting, right? I mean, to, in a way, I, I, and I love this line of thinking, right? This is, this is something I've been trying to convey yeah. for much of the last year, Joe, and I, you almost feel in doing it like an outcast. You, you feel like you're ready for the attack. You're ready to be pounced on when you try to look at this in a way that, okay, you know, if you are vaccinated, you're previously exposed, you're under a certain age, COVID is not going to be a serious threat for you. Right. If you're Older, elderly, overweight, it might be a different story. Yeah. But you couldn't say that without kind of looking over your shoulder, right? Because you're ready for somebody to say, oh, well, you don't care about people. Oh, oh, oh you don't care about anyone. What, what do you just want? Everyone to get COVID. You're not acting responsibly. 
But then, you know, Joe, to hear this from the governor. When we're looking at the hospitalizations, the people testing positive in a hospital, is that person in the hospital because of COVID? Or did they show up there and are routinely tested and showing positive? And they may have been asymptomatic or even just had the sniffles. I mean, oh. you, she's not saying that COVID isn't an issue. She's not saying that it's no big deal. She's not saying, hey, everyone just go out and get the new variant. No, right? No, no. You can say that for a lot of people, you can go about and and try and live your life. That for a lot of people, you don't have to be alarmed when you see these numbers. And we have to get to the bottom of this while not demeaning any of that. And that is the first time I've heard this on that level yeah, uh, from somebody, right? It's the first time I've heard, oh, you know, oh, breakthrough case, oh, you know, oh, my goodness, the world is ending. It's the first time that I think I've heard that tone from Albany on the, And that's why it was so striking to me. And it was, it was unbelievable, right, to finally hear somebody say that. And now I feel like more people, I think this opens the door, Joe, for more people. That's why I'm very interested to hear from the county later on today, 2 o'clock. Are are more people going to now be less afraid to say, okay, well, there is a reason that we're raising all this alarm, yet we still let 70,000-plus people go to a Bills game on Sunday. And that's because, well... Some people are adults. We enjoy doing it. It's a very important part of our lives. We don't want to take it away from people. There's no real reason to take it away from people at this point. I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist, but we have to get back to a a way of living that we all enjoyed previously. It'll be interesting to see how that tone is. And, you know, as that happens here, uh, Brian, also Dr. Nancy Nielsen, to a point you made, um, you know, she said that, hey, most people are going to get COVID. It's how are you going to react to it, right? With this new variant, most people are going to get COVID. You're going to come in contact with COVID. But as that's happening here in New York State, Kathy Hochul with her comment yesterday, we'll see what the county executive said, what his tone is today. How do you feel right now, Brian, if you're in Ontario and you're looking down at New York State, seeing the, the tone that's coming out of Albany, the, 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 the packed stadiums, people, you know, somewhat living their lives more normally, you go up to Ontario, you can't go to a restaurant now for the next three weeks. Your kids aren't in school for another month. That's the part that's, and that when you bring up schools and, and you know, it's, it's another thing like you, you um, share some of uh, what we did earlier in that New York times article about what it's been like and what the real picture is for kids Anyone who's talked about in the last year and a half plus once it became apparent that remote learning is not working yep. that and that if this is going to be a long-lasting pandemic, the pandemic is not going to last two weeks or a month, that this is going to be long-lasting, that, okay, we need to allow kids to live and grow and thrive. And you're, I think many voices are scared to say that because the backlash is always Oh, well, you don't care about kids. Oh, what? just let all the kids get COVID. Oh, and nobody's saying that. Nobody is is saying that. Nobody is saying that we want kids. I don't want any kid to get sick. Now it's a fact of life. My kid's sick 
all you know all the time. The right. runny nose, something like that. it is what happens. Or I like this. Well, the staff. You don't care about the staff in there. The kids are going to infect the staff. No, I. I do care about everybody in there. I, I hope everyone's healthy. What I do want is a staff who is willing to look at the kids in the school to see what the impact has been and to say every day, me with the power of my vaccine and maybe even a booster shot and living a healthy lifestyle, yep. I can um, you know, take the risk of getting COVID to help the next generation of people thrive. Yeah. I, right. That's what I'm looking for. The, the damage that could be done by continuing going on this way, Brian, it, it, it will far out, outlast the pandemic. I'm wondering what happens going. I'm wondering what if more people feel that they can voice that opinion. If we're hearing Governor Hochul say that, if that opens the door to more people, you know, going, oh, wait a second, we are, right? We are doing damage here we do need to evaluate we do need the cost benefit analysis we do need this and that i wonder what we look like a month from now if more people start to kind of get that in their heads speak up a little bit and do a different analysis and whether that's the governor's comments yesterday whether that's knowing way more people who have had covid in the last week whether that's going through the testing, long line, or something like that. I do think this is a little bit of a turning point we're living in through the holidays and right now that's going to shape the way we live in 2022. Let's just hope that uh, the governor doesn't get backlash on Twitter like the CDC and then change her tone again. Like the CDC. (laughs) Well, maybe they haven't yet. They haven't. Just, the, well, maybe. The tone has changed. The tone has changed ever since the backlash. And it's not just, by the way, you know, I, I keep uh, mentioning the governor's comments. This was uh, preceded by Fauci, right? I, I mean, he said right. the same thing. He said the same thing about he, he was talking national about. National TV, infections becoming less severe. Yep. We have to keep in mind, okay, we're talking about a rise in pediatric hospitalizations. Well, uh, everyone's tested when we go into a hospital. Some, yep. uh, so you're hearing him now kind of come around on this. And... This is just because I want to be done with the whole thing. But I'm less of the mind of, you know, saying, well, you know, what, where were you a year and a half ago? What, you know, where were these voices when it was apparent to the rest of us all these things you're saying were true? I'm less of the mind to go there, Joe, and more of let's take it and please move on as quickly as possible. Yeah, don't go back to a year and a half ago. We will be back here tomorrow, I think. Full team, BMAS and Beamer. We will see you then here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.